I'm matchmaker Maria, the founder of Agave Match. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions and interview experts to give you the tools to find or keep the love of your life. This is Ask a Matchmaker. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. This is a hotline episode. And this week's special guest is Lane Moore. She's the best-selling author of How to Be Alone and the new book that you're going to order right now. Just go to the show notes right now. It's called You Will Find Your People. It's the book about how to make friends as an adult, maintain friendships, and cope with friend breakups and how hard all that is. All right. So again, go to the show notes. I'm going to pause right now. Just go to the show notes right there. Show notes, hit the link, buy her book, because this is the book that you need on your shelf. This is the book you're actually going to read because it's going to change your life. Lane Moore, welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker Hotline. Hi, nice to be here. I'm so happy you're here. I think we scheduled this like six months ago and it's finally I here. I know. I'm so excited. The last six months have been so crazy. I'm, I'm glad it finally worked out. I'm very Girl. ready. I just looked at like your, you have like a book tour. Hold up. Okay. All right. Her book tour. Let's, let's talk about names for a second. Okay. So, uh, if you were in Seattle, maybe you saw her with Lindy West. What? Yeah. (laughs) It was wonderful. And then on April 23rd. So a week after this record, she's going to be in LA with Judy Greer. Uh, what? Like, come on. And then in Chicago on April 26th, with Mara Wilson. I don't even know I'm pronouncing that correctly. I hope you I are. Am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, like <laughs> what? I want to be friends with these people. Are you friends with these people because of this book or did you know them before? I, yeah, I'm also doing an event in New York city with Amber Tamblin, like right oh after, God. right after that. Um, yeah, I, I have known Mara for a really long time. Um, I hadn't known, like I'd known Lindy a little bit, just like, you know, crossing circles and stuff. And then we finally met for the first time, uh, in Seattle and it was great. Just like, she's literally my hero, like instant, 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 uh, like, oh, we're very similar people. And, And people had told me that a lot where they were like, you guys are very similar. And I was like, yeah, actually that makes sense. But I was still, I mean, you do have like pretty similar writing styles, which is like, yeah. The in, it's like kind of like this introspection and like feminist approach. Like, I don't know, just, and like comedic, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to put words in who you are, but I'm yeah, just no, that's all right. It was, this. I had, ne- <laughs> I had never really thought that I think I was too close to it. And then, you know, hearing someone say that was very cool, but yeah, they, um, I have known Mara for a long time. And it's funny because, uh, in my first book, how to be alone, like I wrote about like the movie Matilda means a lot to me. And like, I felt very similar. I felt very similar to Matilda as a kid. And it's so funny to, you know, have become friends with Mara and, uh, yeah, she's absolutely wonderful. And then yeah, Judy Greer was so cool because we became friends during the pandemic, like mm-hmm. the beginning parts of it. And, um, I was just like blown away. It's, it's always, it's, uh, there's so many people who like, I grew up just idolizing and thinking they were just the coolest person. And then I, uh, am an adult now and we are actually friends and they are just as cool as I had hoped. And, I know it's like, everybody loves hearing that. I love hearing it, but it's, it's real. it's really true. Like some of the, you know, I know they say, don't meet your heroes, but some of your heroes are really cool. Hold up. I also just realized that when you're with Judy Greer, you're also with Akila Hughes. Are you kidding me right now? Oh yeah. Akila and I have been friends forever. Yeah. 
I, she's my obsession. Yeah. Akil um, is one of my oldest friends. Yeah. She's like, cause she, Akil and I like came So up now together. I'm friends with all these people by proxy. Yes. I decided <laughs> that you and I are going to be friends. So yeah. that's awesome. I'm so proud of me right now. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about your book. Let's talk about your book. So, yeah. um, you know, you will find your people. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, where I, you know, the conception of this book and sure. you know, what we need, what, what, what we need to know. So you will find your people is kind of a sequel to my first book. So I'll, I'll talk about that first, because I think it's, yeah. they're kind of bookends, which mm-hmm. I've only realized when I've started talking about it in interviews and I'm just like, Oh yeah, I really kind of, I think can't talk about one with the, one without the other. Um, so my first book is called how to be alone if you want to. And even if you don't, and it was really about, I had been in sort of an extreme situation of being alone my entire life. And in that, uh, I had to raise myself. I had a really, really hard childhood, a really hard time growing up. And, um, because I didn't have all these things that I was told everybody gets, everybody's supposed to have, everybody needs to have, which is, you know, the perfect family, uh, the perfect friend group, perfect partner, all of these things. And I was like, well, uh, I started off getting pretty shorted in a couple of these areas and it made the other areas harder. So how to be alone. I wanted to write a book about what it is like when you don't have those things. And we never talk about that. Um, how to be alone also came out like, I think four years before Jeanette McCurdy's beautiful book about, you know, her difficult relationship with her mother. And, uh, that's a great but at the too. time, absolutely. But at yeah. the time when how to be alone came out, I had not seen anybody talk about that ever. And even when Jeanette McCurdy's book came out four years later, people were like, how could you talk about that? And I was talking about it four years prior. So there was even more like, we don't discuss that, but I and really- when, the, the, when you say we don't discuss that, you mean like trauma as it, no, I mean, to- as it pertains to like, not, um, not having a really perfect, wonderful, loving family. We don't talk about that ever. It's, 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 right. you're not supposed to talk about it. And so, right. you know, I really wanted to talk about what it was like not having that kind of safety net, not having any of that. And then, you know, trying to make friends and it's more difficult because of that. And so the first book really was talking about not having the support systems that we're supposed to have and how to develop your relationship with yourself so that you can become your own support system. To some extent, you can actually have a relationship with yourself that doesn't feel like a consolation prize, um, because you're alone, but like finding some beauty in being alone, finding the things about being alone that can actually be really wonderful and how your relationship with yourself is so crucial for make for, you know, all your other relationships. I talk about a lot about attachment styles, things like that. Also talk a lot about the ways that you know, we view particularly women who are alone or single or whatever. So there's a lot of, you know, conversations about aloneness in the first book. And then once I did all of this work on myself and, you know, developing this, well, if I'm going to be alone, uh, let me make something kind of good out of this. And then once you do all of that and you're like, oh, I have a little bit more self-worth and I have, uh, I know how to be alone with myself and have it be a good thing sometimes. Um, you're going to want to go and you're going to want to find community and you're going to want to have better friendships. So I wanted to write the second book, You Will Find Your People, because we make it sound like that's easy. Like you just go out and you make friends, but trying to make friends as an adult is so challenging, not just from the perspective of like, where do you meet people? That's not the issue. The issue is so far beyond where do you meet people? Like, Like how do you establish that connection? 
Right. How do you establish that connection? How do you deal with, uh, how do you fight with your friends? How do you break up with your friends? How do you know what to do when a relationship ends? How do you deal with, uh, the attachment styles in your friends, which I've never mm. heard anybody really talk about. We only talk about that in romantic ways. How do you prioritize your friendships instead of just prioritizing your romantic partner? Like these are all things I wanted to write about in this book that were things that I had, I had learned through this, you know, especially if you like me have been hurt a lot in friendships. I've had friendships fall apart. Have realized you've like been attracted to the wrong kinds of friends, or you found well, let's, yourself. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about. Yeah, that. there's so, so much I, to talk about. Yeah, I have a question with regards first to this book that'll yeah. tie into what you just said. So, was this book? Um, did you get the contract for this book pre-pandemic or post? Like pre-2020 or post? For you mean like the book? idea for the book? Um, no, like when you met with your publisher, I don't remember, honestly. I mean, it seems like you had the idea pre-pandemic. I did. Yeah. I had the idea. I don't remember the, let me tell you why the last three years blur. I know time is so flat. I totally get it. Let me tell you, I I can't know, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I found myself in the last three years um, not necessarily in the last three years, but like the first year of the pandemic was like, like kind of like a cleanup of friends. Yeah. Like I, I realized like, oh, this person's like pretty toxic in my life. I need to start yeah. setting boundaries. Um, and it only came to realization for me personally, when I was like, I'm having a really rough go of this and that's when they're showing up. But when I was having like a good time, like a success, they would disappear. And I was like, I don't want people who only show up when shit is bad, I want you to celebrate my wins more than my, like I have my support system when That's things are so shitty. Interesting to me. Cause usually I feel like it's the reverse for people. People show up when you're winning and people do not show up when you're losing. So that's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard that. I'm sure it's, it happens, but I've just never heard. I haven't heard someone say that. It's really what an odd dynamic. I'll, like, I'll give you, they're I'll both you... crappy, but like that one's interesting. Uh, let me, me tell you most, why yeah. I say, cause I I've seen it with some of my friends too. Like I remember asking one of my girlfriends who's, um, she has like a pretty stressful life. And, um, we've talked about this part where it's just like, when, like, for instance, in my case, and I've been very public about this on the podcast, like my mom got really sick. She's severely disabled now. You know, she doesn't have feet. She doesn't, she can't see. I, I, yeah. my father and I split the care for her. Right. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we live together. It's like a whole thing. Right. And in 2021, like they gave my mom like three weeks to live and somehow she's oh, still wow. living and good for her. She's really resilient. Yeah. When that was happening, I had a, it's so overwhelming when shit is going down in your life, be it a parent, a sick child, whatever, that like your bandwidth is so spread out. And I'm having all of my mother's friends call me and all of these friends in the woodwork that are mine coming out. Like, do you need anything? And I go, it's overwhelming for me to have to respond to every single text message and every single message. I just wanted my three people. Like, that's all I cared about just to like protect myself because I was crying every night. I was like emotionally spent. And then in my good times, it's like, where the fuck are you guys? Like, you're supposed to be my friends. Why aren't you celebrating a win right now with me? And I don't think my, my situation is that rare because I think there's a lot of people who are like having a rough go who are like, uh, noise be gone. No, absolutely. I just, so I, I guess- The only reason I say that is because I feel like the, like, 
I, I think I've known a lot of people who didn't show up for me either way. Um, I think that's more what it is. Like they didn't, they absolutely were not going to show up for me when I was down. Maybe they'd show up for me when I was up. Maybe. Right. Because then there's like something to get out of it for them. I just learned that like, whenever a friend of mine is having a rough go, I'll, the way I respond now, I send text messages from that learning experience is like, you don't have to respond to this. I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you. Oh yeah. I always do that. Light. I like, always do that. Yeah. I'm not, I like, I don't, I think again, though, it's, it's interesting. Like, I think a lot of people don't confront a lot of these things. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I kind of wish a lot of the stuff that I know I didn't have to learn that way, but it's funny right. because like things like that, the only reason I know how to do things, what I think is, is a very good way, maybe the right way, um, is because I'm doing things that nobody did for me. I'm doing things yeah. that I wish somebody had done for me. Like that's exactly give what me, I do. Give me a like, few examples to... of this. Well, I mean, that is absolutely one of them. When I reach out to someone and I'm like, you don't have to respond to this, but like, yeah. I'm thinking of you, this really sucks, blah, blah, blah. Because I'm not making it about myself. I think so many people, when they're doing that, I think probably what you're talking about is this sort of like, they put this, this burden on the person to like, now, like they need to respond to you to Tell feel like how your like, mom is understand. doing. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to respond to this. No. And I always, I always leave it so optional because so one yeah. of the, one of the other things that I do, and by the way, there is an entire, um, I feel like this, this speaks to this, even though it's not this specifically, but it's, oh, yeah, it's yeah. in the same, it's in the same zone. There's an entire chapter that I wanted to put in to this book that is, is in the book about talking to a friend who is in like a mental health crisis and like how to how to talk to them because nobody ever handled that the right way with me ever, ever. And I just couldn't, there is such a, like when someone is going through mental health issues, there is such a like hands off. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm sure that's for a therapist, whatever. I absolutely believe that is incorrect. Um, and I think that one of the most frustrating things to me about our views of friendship at, at large, uh, seem to be that it's only supposed to be like polite, polite little asides. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Like, that's actually not the friendship I want. Um, and a lot of like doing things cause it'll make you look good. Like doing things because like, Oh, this is the socially acceptable. Like I brought a casserole. Now I can go home and like, feel good about myself. Like I I've never liked any of that stuff. It all seems really sh- shallow, shallow to me. And, yeah. uh, it was, it was very strange. And, uh, so I wanted to write, to write this chapter. And that can be, that can be anything. It can be anybody from somebody who's like really, really low and is really struggling and like how to, how to help them as opposed to just doing nothing. Um, and just being like, I'm sure you're working out. I don't know. Um, and I think some people, I think some people are well-meaning with it. I think some people are really just like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. So I say nothing, but I firmly believe that saying nothing is so much worse than like, accidentally well-intentioned saying the wrong thing. I just really do because so much of, I think one of the reasons I wanted to write this book is because I have known throughout my life, like I had such a like extreme lack of community throughout my life that I have known, I think always like how powerful it is, how valuable it is, how essential it is and yet we don't really value it. I think a lot of people don't really know how to do it. And the the things we've been taught about how to do it are extremely flawed. They're extremely surface level. And I'm glad that over the last couple of years, people are realizing like, oh, this is really shallow. This is kind, a lot of my relationships are kind of toxic or kind of BS. This isn't really 
working. Mm -hmm. And that's something I felt my whole life. I think a lot of us have felt deep down our whole lives. And I, I always just thought maybe I'm the only one who feels like this. I'm doing it wrong. All these other people have 20 girlfriends at, you know, every weekend, whatever it is at their birthday party. I have weddings with like 13 bridesmaids. And I go, how do you, how do you, what? But I'm like, oh, maybe they're, I always always thought like, maybe you're doing it better than me. But now I don't think so. I think since telling people that I was writing this book, like it's kind of created like a speakeasy for Mm. a lot of people to be like, actually, I don't like a lot of my friends and I kind of want, and I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. But we're all like, so many people are just pretending because that's what you're supposed to have, you know? Um, two things. One, the fact that you said like you found like your lack of community. So of course your book is named, you will find your people because that's literally the subcontext to community. Like this is my people. And I think that's just like a really brilliant approach from your end. I will also give you evidence of what you're saying from my own like perspective here. Um, so, uh, I host this like group intensive every month, right? Agape intensive and all that stuff. And there's like a little Slack channel for all the girls, the women, excuse me, to like communicate um, every week. It's like a whole thing, right? Yeah. And a couple of years ago, back in 2020, um, Priscilla and I, she's one of the coaches, uh, we're like, we, I could see that, like, we could see that like women were like starving to like look forward to something, right? We were all, in 2020, we all felt like despair, right? Yeah. So we created in 2020, in August, 2020, um, this retreat to Greece. And then suddenly 2022 comes along and 30 of us head on to Greece. And I just thought it was just going to be like, okay, a bunch of women hanging out. But no, it was, I I didn't realize how, first of all, all of those women still talk to each other every single day as evidenced by my what's up that blows up like every 10 minutes. Shout out to all of them because now they're listening to this episode. Um, But second, and I think this is most important, when you go on a trip, with a bunch of strangers and it doesn't have to be through my program. It could be, there's like a zillion other group travel programs, but here's what happens. If it's an all-inclusive vacation, which this is the case of what this is, right? Like my retreat to Greece is all-inclusive. When you don't know each other, you don't have this like click in personality fighting that happens with like at bachelor parties. That's always going to happen first. Second, people are all like kind of at the same part in their life right now to do group travel. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm pregnant or I just lost my job or everyone's like kind of at the same place for this particular event. Mm -hmm. And three, because it's all inclusive, no one is at the end of every meal saying, well, I didn't have an alcoholic drink. So why should I split this? Or I only had a salad or like, it's all taken care of. So like suddenly for one week, all of these women are able to develop um, incredibly vulnerable situations and like become best friends without the infighting that could exist. And like, a bachelorette party or like, it's just kind of like, I think I cannot express enough. Like, I feel like I'm going to require your book as like reading to anyone I meet now, just because it's like, it's just so important to find your people. Um, because there are people out there for you. And those people are like in this chapter of your life right now, like like right now, this is the, you need to find your community because that's the community that's going to keep you in line with the goals and milestones you might have for yourself, or you might not realize you even have for yourself. Yeah. I mean, and I can, I can, I can extremely speak to that. It actually in my first book and how to be alone, I talk about going to a group trip by myself. And it's funny. Cause I actually was, <laughs> I was probably the only one who wasn't on the same page as everybody else. Like in terms of that, like 
everybody who was on my group trip was like over 50. And I just like, I, I came in and I was just this like young kid who I think was like between jobs and stuff and was like, so I really was like, not at the same place, but I was like, I want to do this. I want to go and ended up making friends. And it was just like this deep, you know, community. And it's funny. Cause like the trip actually was like <laughs> a bunch of things went wrong with the trip itself. It was just like, not what I really wanted for that, but it didn't matter because it was just that, that instant sense of community that made me feel like I would be such an excellent candidate to get sucked into a cult. I just love <laughs> communities. I'm like, yes, we're all like, and this was more, um, where it was like, you know, at the end of the night, like meals were provided, but we were like doing dishes and taking turns and we're like doing dishes together. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. I already got that. Like I, Love it. I'm so at home in those, in those situations. You, you'll like, don't worry. You'll never see me on like an HBO documentary that like, I didn't know it was, I don't think you will, <laughs> but I just, I'm such a sucker for that energy. And whenever I'm in that kind of community energy, I'm so reminded that like, this is how human beings are wired. We are yes. not wired to be alone and like yeah. never talk to each other and be scared of each other and judge each other and think each other are weird and like keeps our distances and like, you're not my problem. Like we are wired to be a community, to be together, to help each other. I mean, that's literally that's it. like the human species differentiates itself from animals. Uh, in the, I read this, uh, in, um, Sapiens, a brief history of humankind by Yuval Noah Harari. Um, I pronounced that wrong and I really apologize to him. Um, but he talks about how, like what differentiates us from the animal kingdom, like where the wires like suddenly shift is because humans have the ability of, um, gossiping and lying. <laughs> and so gossip, what that is, is just an exchange of information Yeah, and lying is the established like sense of community because it's like, for instance, um, if you think about like gods, right? Like at some point in ancient human history, people yeah. worshiped the sun or people worshiped in some sort of God. And that is a form of lying. Cause it's like, not something that like, there's no animal, there's no lion in the, in the, you know, yeah. in the desert or whatever saying like, oh yeah, let's worship the sun. Like let's, let's worship something that we can't necessarily see, uh, or, you know, or smell or hear or whatever, but humans have this ability of doing these things. And yeah. that's what differentiates us from the species, but it goes back to community because how, who could you gossip with and who could you lie with your community? Right. And I, I actually like, <laughs> One of the points in this book that I talk about is, is it's interesting that you say that because that is such a set point for so many people. And one of the things I talk about in the chapter where I talk about like outgrowing your friends is like mm. sometimes, yeah, you're really into like that gossiping and that sort of like, like, you know, maybe like mutually hating a couple people or whatever it is. And then you reach a point where you're like, oh, actually I don't connect with that friend anymore. Cause I no longer want to do this. It doesn't feel good, but this oh other God, person yeah. still wants to do it. And then you have to be like, Ooh, I have matured. And my friend I made when I was like 20 years old, like hasn't gotten there yet. And now I have to shift, have to kind of shift away because I think that is, yeah, if you think about it, that is like our earliest, like you start doing that stuff around like, you know, 11, 12, and then definitely more like, you know, 13, 14, 15, like that's really what we're, what, especially a lot of, a lot of women are, it's, there's so many like, I do, I do. This is evolutionary. Yeah. Like, this is just like, it's hardwired in our systems for a lot of us, at least to like, 
information Even if it doesn't feel good, though. Even if it doesn't doesn't feel feel good. good. That that stuff never felt good to me. I never liked it. I read this one because uh, I feel like the shit talking might be a words of affirmation person. Um, <laughs> so, but like I, what you just described is so accurate for some of the friendships that I had to purge yeah. because it was like, oh, our mutual hate for this thing is what kept us together. But then right. I, I guess that's why like in the pandemic, I feel like I purged a lot of that. hate. I was like, I don't need this in my life. There's enough stress going on. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, what do I have to talk to you about? That's the thing. And then, and that, and that's when you realize like, oh, what are my relationships actually based in? Are they based yeah. in something that's like real and deep and nurturing? Or are they based in something that like suited me 10 years ago, but now I find kind of boring because I want something deeper. I like, I think that's the thing. So much of the way that we talk about friendships is like, you meet everybody when you're 15 and then you're friends forever. And then when that doesn't happen for you and you feel like you failed, mm. I, I don't think you, I don't think we have failed uh, the people who that's happened to. I think that's actually incredibly normal. And I think there's something look like great for people who've been able to maintain that since they were 15. I'm that's there, but it's rare. That's all that's I so want to say is that that's so rare because here's why, because you're becoming different people constantly, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, you're going to become so many different people the odds that your friends are going to grow and change with you in the same ways, but we're acting like, or even having none of like that's going to affect you. Yeah. Or even having like the same value set, like something that's, like, yeah, like you're becoming totally different people who value different things, see right. things differently. Like you could have the yeah. same upbringing and you could have the same college years and still have very different value sets. And in fact, you know, studies have shown that like, if you get married before the age of 27 to someone less than t- uh, two years or something like that, um, like knowing them less than two years, like the divorce rate's really freaking high. And the reason for that is assumed is because after the age of 20, like around the age of 27, 28, you learn to start articulating your values. So then you look at like your friendship circle and how much of it does it dissolve post frontal lobe development, you know? And that's why like, sometimes I, my favorite activity is looking at people's like wedding photos on Pinterest sometimes. Cause I'm like, how are how are there seven people in your wedding party on, on both sides? So you have 14 people in your wedding party. Like, wow, they could all afford that. Good for you. And be like, you know, like, is everyone, does everyone get along? What is the drama? Here? Cause it's just, it's just really and it's how a lot do they of pressure all... to be in those things. Yeah. And then also it's always assumed that like all seven of your bridesmaids or whatever it is, like that they're all, that you're all in this big friend group. And that's something I talk about a lot and you will find your people because we, my, my dream is a friend group. My dream is a friend group. We all hang out. We all, we're all best friends. There's no problems. There's no drama. We see each other every week. Like this is all we've been every week as a culture, but this, that's like, that's no, like, we, this hold is on. top friends, toicity. Like only the, the only people that hung out every day or every week was, but that's what I'm saying. And, I and sex mother. in the city, all that, like, yeah. and new girl. I mean, it goes new on. Girl. It's oh my actually God, not, yeah. it's actually a lot of TV shows where they saw each other ever. I'm talking every day. They didn't see each other every week. They saw each other every day. So even saying every week is like pushing it, but I'm saying like, this is what I grew up thinking. This is what I grew up wanting. And I think there's so many of us who are looking to these. I talk a lot about pop culture. There's a lot of pop culture references in this because these are the things that shape us and give us these ideas of like what friendship should look like and what, right. and where we're quote unquote failing. Like if we're not seeing our best girlfriends every single day for cocktails, like you, like you saying like, what, that's wild. You're not wrong. It's just, right. that 
But every time, every show we watch, can I ask that's all really, everyone's doing. Can I ask you a really personal question? And you don't have to I don't answer. Know. Let's find out. Um, <laughs> do you envision yourself having kids one day? Um, I already did. So I'm good. Oh, you have children? <laughs> no, but I, I raised a whole bunch of people. So I'm oh, good. Okay. I raised right. myself and Got a whole it. bunch of my, uh, whole bunch of my family members. I'm good. <laughs> I ask, and I appreciate that answer so much. The reason why yeah. I asked that question is because like, I think that there, I haven't read your book because it hasn't come out yet at the time of yeah, this recording. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I try to get as many glimpses as possible from whatever I've been given. Yeah. But I think that there is a part or volume two to this book, which is like, one of the things that I read a lot about as a parent is like, yeah. how do I make friends? You know, you lose a lot of your friendship circle when you have kids like it or not. Right. Cause your children yeah. just consume so much of your free time. They are your free time. Right. Yeah. So then suddenly it's like trying to make friends with other parents. Um, and then like, just because your kids are friends, doesn't mean you have any similar values with those people either. And so you're trying to like do the landmine dance with these people like, Oh, you know, are you a psycho? Do you do you have guns at home? I'm not saying that if you have guns at home, you're a psycho. Those are two separate, mutually yeah. like, exclusive. Statements. Yeah, yeah. But like, I need to know if my kids are playing at your house. Like, are your guns like locked in a safe with a thumbprint? Like, what yeah. is the stat? And like, so kind of like navigating the new friendships as parents. Um, it's like, so I, mean, I do. Yeah. yeah, I did. I did. Um, I did write a chapter in this book about how marriage and kids can impact your friendship because while I don't have kids yet, I don't know what that's going to be. Um, but I know two things. One, I know how I have watched my friendships be impacted when friends of mine got married, uh, or when they suddenly got lost into a relationship and our friendship just kind of disappeared. Uh, mm -hmm. I can speak to that very heavily. Also, I've had so many conversations with so many of my friends uh, have started having, has started having kids and talking to them and hearing, like hearing the perspectives of how they view friendship, how much they feel connected to people. And also I think the, I was able to speak to two sides of this that I really wanted to speak to. Cause you know, it's like, I, I can't speak as, as a parent myself yet, but what I could speak to is having friends who had kids and what I assumed their level of wanting to be asked to hang out, all these different things of like, how should I do this as somebody without kids? How should I navigate this person who just had kids? Like how much should I be texting them? I don't want to bother them. Like all these things that when you don't have kids, you're assuming all these things about your kids or your friends who just had kids. And then speaking to them and finding out, actually people don't ask me to do anything anymore. And I feel really lonely. And I'm like, well, can I speak yeah. to that? The reason that I don't ask you to do that is because I don't want to be your like single childless friend being like, you want to go out at 9 PM on Thursday? I do. I like, do want to go out. Right. But that's why, <laughs> and that's why I really wanted to write about that because yeah. to be able to give voice to like, this is so much of what this book is about is all of these little misunderstandings, these little assumptions that we make about each other that keep us alone. Like here I am. I miss my friend. I want to hang out with her. I, it's great that she has kids. It doesn't make me not want to hang out with her, but for me anyway, I can't speak to other people. I'm sure there are people who are dicks and are like, I don't want to, whatever. That's not how I felt. I just genuinely, I think a lot of people didn't know how to approach it and was like, well, I don't want to seem like I'm ignoring how complex your life has become, but, and so it became this thing where I was like, okay, I'm still going to invite you to stuff anyway. And I'm going to know that yes. it's cool if you say no. And so like just having these conversations, that's so much of what 
I wanted to write about because otherwise she's sitting there thinking Lane forgot about me ever since I had kids. She doesn't like me anymore. She doesn't care. Everybody's forgotten about me now that I've had kids and she's off living her life. And I'm sitting there going, she's, she's got kids. She doesn't have time to hang out with me anymore. Like we're both, what good does that do either one of us? Lane, that is such a brilliant perspective. And I'm so happy it's in your book. And, uh, again, if you're listening to this right now, you have to go, you know, order Lane's book. The link is in the show notes. Go, go, go. Uh, I am so excited to get my hands on this book. Uh, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Lane, are you ready to take some questions from the I audience? am. Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker hotline. How can we help you? Hi. Um, this whole conversation has been really validating. So I'm really happy to be listening in right now. Um, Lane, I'm really excited for your new book. I actually was at your uh, event at the Strand when the first book came out. Oh, so that's great. A full circle moment. Yeah. Um, my question is um, about uh, a relationship I've been in for almost a year. Um, I've been with my current boyfriend for almost a year. And while there is a lot that I both like and love about him, um, there is also some ways that we differ. And I'm trying to figure out where that line is between like, it's fun and interesting that we have different tastes and interests and it ultimately meaning that we are not compatible in the long term. Um, it's a lot of like little things that on their own wouldn't be a big deal, but once you put them all together, it, I start to get worried that it'll it'll just be, you know, hard to be together uh, for the long term. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out where that line is. And I don't know if the two of you maybe have some advice about that, um, thoughts on that. I think this is a great question. Lane, you want to take a go? I know. I was just going to ask you if you, I'm, I'm curious as to what you're going to say. I have, I have a well, perspective, but I'm curious. I, I, I have like follow-up questions because she's okay, saying yeah, it's yeah. like a few and I'm like, I wonder what, which those, are they? Yeah. Yeah. What mm-hmm. are they? Can you what tell us they? a little bit more? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's little things like we have kind of different tastes in like music and movies and TV shows. And like, we do have some overlap, but our favorites are very different. Like he is very into heavy metal, never going to go to a heavy metal concert with him. My favorite kind of music is like guy with guitar, singer, songwriter. He's never going to come to a December's concert with me, but it's also stuff like he is very much more adventurous in bed than I am. And I worry that I will not be ultimately satisfying in the long term um so it's like it, it kind of runs the gamut and you know there is like I said there is lots to love about this person and I do really love him uh-huh. I just am okay yeah. I've got an answer for you okay. is that okay yeah. if I go lane yeah yeah okay so first of all you use the the word that I hate the most in relationships which is never there is okay. a massive range between never and sometimes especially in relationships so mm-hmm. you said in your, in, in two examples, he likes heavy metal and I would never go to a heavy metal concert. And I like people strumming on a guitar and he would never go to that. And the fact of the matter is, is that I think in a relationship, first of all, let's just put that aside for a second. Let's talk about where the relationship is with anyone, right? You're making a bet essentially when you're dating someone that you can't do better than this. Yeah. And I'm not saying you're settling. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but there's mm-hmm. no such thing as someone who's perfect. It's yeah. going to be perfect ish for the rest of your life. And you have to choose to like each other. 
I know you're a big time listener of the podcast. You know exactly how I end each episode. And that is why, right. We have to like each other more than we love each other because love is incredibly easy to find, but like is really hard to choose for the next 40 years of your life. So let Mm -hmm. me just let, let that bracket end for a second. Now let's talk about the two examples that you gave. There's a massive range between never and sometimes. So like, I'll give you a personal example. My husband really likes like pink martini. Do you guys know what this is? Do you know I do know who she is actually. Yeah. 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 Like, it's a, like a whole like band loungy like... kind of. Yeah. 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 And, um, that's not exactly my music, <laughs> but you know what? Am I going to like humor my husband and go to a pink martini concert once every three years or Regina Spector concert, which I like her. I'm not going to, don't get me wrong, but like not exactly my first choice. Um, am I going to go to these things once every couple of years or once a year just to like humor him? Like just it, a show appreciation for what he likes, right? It's not about me all the time. Sometimes it's just about showing up for your partner. Similarly, uh, I don't know if he'd ever go to like a Taylor Swift or Beyonce concert with me, but maybe he'll buy the tickets, right? Like there's a way to show appreciation <laughs> yeah. for like what your person likes. Like, I'll give you an example really quick. that's happening right now. I'm obsessed with Eurovision. I don't, I know my husband likes it, but he doesn't have the level of obsession I have with the song contest, but does he support me? Does he take care of the kids when it's happening? Like, Yeah, because that's what relationships are, right? There's not the never, it's the sometimes. And I think that's what you have to kind of start putting your heels in. Because if everything else is okay, then these are things that you learn to work around. Now you talked about adventurous in bed. Let me tell you, sexual appetite changes so much. So whatever you're experiencing now might not necessarily be the case in 10 years either. Um, (laughs) But that is something that you can talk to more qualified people than me uh, to talk about that stuff. Lane, I know you have an answer to this too, because I can see it in your face. So I want to, I do. Yeah, no, I, and I feel like it's, I feel like it's similar. You know, I've, I've, I was in a similar situation and my friend reminded me of something that I had forgotten, which is, she was just like, she was like 80, 20. And I was like, Oh God, you're right. Like, because I, it's, it's so easy to be like, Oh, and my perfect person would have like hundred percent of my things, but I look at it and I'm just like, oh, if you have somebody who has like almost every single thing you want, are you going to find somebody who has that other 50%? And the thing I've noticed when I've gone looking for like, you know what? I actually just met somebody who has that 20. Yeah, but do they have the 80? Because I bet they don't. <laughs> so these are the things that I've realized where it's like, oh, that's that's really interesting because there are so many people I've met in my life who only have the 20 only have the 15. You might meet somebody and like, they like your exact music taste, your exact movie taste. They have no emotional intelligence. They treat you like shit. They're unpredictable. Like, so it's so interesting. You know, we want the hundred percent, but I feel like if you look at like, what is the most important in that 80%, do they have that? And does this other stuff really matter? And to latch on to like what Lane is saying about like emotional compatibility, which is like, so right. It's really hard. You can't supplement emotional compatibility with other people, right? You're either going to be emotionally compatible with your, with your partner or you're not. And if you need the help, there are sources, resources to get you that help to be more emotionally compatible, but being intellectually compatible or like having similar taste in music and TV, you can supplement that. That's easy to supplement because you just find your tribe. You find your people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also and- there might be, I don't, maybe there, there's gotta be, look, I, I don't want to say there's gotta be, cause look, maybe there's really not. 
feel like there's got to be some middle ground music that you could find that you both like, whether it's the freaking a song by the monkeys in 1962. I feel like there's got to be middle oh, ground. Yeah. I mean, there is middle ground. There is a Venn diagram. It's just funny that yeah. both of our like favorites are just so disparate. And I guess to speak to the never, like he, I did ask him once, like, oh, or a joke, like, oh, I'm not going to make you come to a December's concert until we're like five years in. And he said, I'm never going to want to do that. So that's kind of where the never is coming from. Interesting. Um, you, should, you should address yeah. the never. You should I think both so. agree to like not be a never couple. Yeah. And maybe is, that's I mean, why. Yeah. If the yeah. never is actually, it sounds like from what you're saying now, the never is not necessarily coming from you. It sounds yeah. like the never is coming from him and you're like, okay, fine. Well then I'm never going to do this. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's actually not helping either of you if yeah. I'm right about that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's accurate. That's fair. Yeah. It is, it is tough because there is to speak to Lane, what you just said, like, there is a lot of like emotional compatibility and he's very self-aware and he's very funny and he's been to therapy and he has like a plan and we have like all of these like things that we align on, but like little day-to-day things, you sort of wonder how much those end up like, you know, little tiny paper cuts. Not that, you know, not liking the same music as a paper cut, but um, you know what I mean? Just, I do. I do. As they pile up. Yeah. I think, I think you need to have a never, never, never conversation, never mm-hmm. say never conversation. Yeah. Uh, because I think that's, what's, I think that's like a solution is like, you can't yeah. be that couple that does the never game. Cause then that never game does not end. Yeah. Yeah. At least find, uh, yeah. Finding some things where, where a never turns into, I'll do it. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't have to be all of them. Cause I mean, there, there are mm-hmm. some things that like with friends, like I really would never want to do that, but I'm not going to say that with like stuff that's really important to them. Like that's where you have right. to find that middle ground. Like mm-hmm. if they don't care and they're like, I know you won't, that's all right. You don't need to, that's fine. But if you see that it's like, it really matters to one of you, like that can't be a never. Yeah. yeah. That's a great question. Thank you so much for calling in. Yeah. Thanks for taking it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Let's go to our next question. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker Hotline. How can we help you? Hello. Thank you. I'm so happy to be able to uh, ask you guys my question. So I've never had a problem with making friends. Um, However, I have never been in a serious relationship. So I am 28 years old. And every single time that there was an opportunity of a relationship, I just ran away and went the other way. So now I am living in a new country. I've made lots of my dreams come true. And I realize that something that I've been missing is a serious relationship. I've been on all the apps trying to put myself out there. And I've been, see- I've been seeing this guy for two months now. We do get along well. Uh, we have a lot of common interests. But he has left a four-year relationship uh, last November and I'm always just walking on eggshells, not trying to pressure him to know what we're doing. But I realize that when we are together, everything's great, but he's never reaching out. He never messages me. Uh, he just like likes my Instagram posts, but that's it. Like I have to always be reaching out. And I don't know if I'm just creating things in my head. Um, mind you, I'm very big on extroverts and talking he's shy so I don't know if I'm creating something in my head and or if he's just not that into me and I just haven't been able to figure that out follow-up questions you've been dating for two months yes um 
Are you confused? Yes. Are you in a state of anxiety? Yes. Um, you have found yourself in situationship land. Yeah. I'm like this. Yeah. He sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Like I don't, don't him being introverted is not an excuse. No, no. I know plenty of, I mean, I seem like an extrovert, but I'm, I'm plenty introverted and people know how I feel. It's not, it's not, you can be introverted and show up very loving and show up for people and be mm-hmm. like, also, also texting is one of the easiest ways for introverts to show up. Like a lot of introverts I know are big texters are really big on that because they can't say it in yeah, yeah. person. So if he's not like, and a lot of even, you know, some of the, some of the uh, introverts that I have dated or encountered were better in text because they couldn't show up in person. That's another thing. This guy can't do either one. Why? No. Ew. I know. I, I... <laughs> yeah. No. And oh I think, I think what you've done, you've get done inadvertently, and this is not your fault by the way. Yeah. No. It's, like I need you just, to know. Yeah. It's really yeah, just not more, We're more just mad at this guy. We're not like, how did you not know this? It's more no, no, of a, no, just no. like your suspicions are right. This so really does him- suck him breaking up in November is irrelevant to this, right? Because I, we have seen, I have seen plenty of people break up in November and then they, they are in a relationship by January and then they're married to that person like a year later. So when they broke up is a little bit irrelevant. I know that they dated someone for four years. I understand that that could have been an impactful. He doesn't have to date you though. No one That's is what I was going to say. Him. Like this was his choice to enter into this relationship. If he wasn't right. ready, if he didn't want to, if he didn't have it to give, he shouldn't have done it. Um, Let's go back to the beginning of what you said though, that you've never been in a relationship. You know what? You've just been in a situationship though. And that situationship to me counts as a relationship. I don't believe in when people say, well, I've never been in a serious relationship. A situationship made you have feelings, even if that's a state of panic and anxiety and confusion. And it made you probably stop looking at other people for a minute, right? You made yourself unavailable emotionally, physically, or otherwise from meeting other people. That is a relationship. And we need to stop saying like, I don't know if you say this with other things that you've been in, but you know, the idea that you haven't been in a relationship is untrue at this point. You have been in a relationship that at least one that we know of, because you shared that today. So with that said, um, there was a way for him to shop for you. He did not. And you have a choice here. And that choice is to continue being in this, this situationship, which will never change. Okay. doesn't matter how much time passes since this breakup, he, you will never be his girlfriend. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to give you the dose of reality. I think that's why you tune into this show, which is that guys know when they're not showing up, guys know when they're taking advantage and yeah. getting the girlfriend experience from you in person and then just ignoring you the rest of the week. And that is what he's yeah. doing. That's why Lane and I are mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> and we want you to know that you have a choice. You can still be in the situation ship or you can do an about face and just text them. You know what? This isn't working for me. I feel very confused and anxious in this. And I just don't want that anymore. Close that chapter, move on to the next, like move yeah. on to the next, start dating again. And you said you're extroverted. You don't have to necessarily be on apps. You can lean on to Eventbrite. Hell, I want you to look up Lane Lane's uh, tour schedule. I'm going to put her website on the show notes. And I want you to meet someone special at one of her events. There's going to be totally lots of great guys at those events. I'm almost certain of it because Lane's got a good crew. People, I I do a comedy show called Tinder Live where I make fun of 
douchey guys on dating apps and people meet each other all the time there because of that. Cause there's a bunch of people who are sick of like dating apps and things like that. Um, and they will go and meet people. I've had people fall in love at the show and things like that. Uh, I think the best thing you have going for you is that you are extroverted. Also like, I don't know, almost every single woman on earth is like hot and cool. I just really stand by that. So you're an extroverted, hot, cool woman. I'm assuming I feel very confident in this. You don't need this shit. You really don't <laughs> like it will not be hard. It's, it's hard, a little harder for people who are introverted, but for extroverted, like you go meet someone else. You can do it. It's it's yeah. I, I think, I think that's it. It's so easy to like, kind of get fixed into this. Like, well, I don't know. I'm really invested into this, but like, what are you invested in? What is he investing? Doesn't sound like a lot. So yeah, I think, I think we're both just like, you can do better. This is. Yeah. You can yeah. find your person. Yeah. Thank you <laughs> so, so much for your help. This is a very needed dose of reality. Thank you. Thank you. Lane. Thanks for joining us on the hotline. I am so happy to have yeah. you on the ask a mask, ask a matchmaker podcast. Yeah, me too. <laughs> all right. So dear listeners, you've done it already. My goal is to get Lane's book on the New York times bestseller list. It comes out next week, but this is a week before the, the this airs a week before I want books. Let's get this. Come on. I'm going to be looking at the analytics of who clicked that link. <laughs> all right. Let's do this. Let's show up for our girl Lane. She gave such good advice. She's an incredible human being. I want to see New York Times bestseller next to her name uh, on this book. Uh, you will find your people out on April 25th, but yes. you're going to pre-order it right now on the show notes. There are the links to follow Lane, right, Lane? Yeah. Where can people follow you? Uh, at Hello Lane Moore. And I also have a podcast called I Thought It Was Just Me. Where, by the way, and this feels relevant for this audience, uh, we do a segment called What Are We? Where people can call in and figure out their situationships and what's going on with their relationship. Oh my God. This is such a common question I would get on like on TikTok and stuff. I did a lot of stuff on situationships and I've been in so many of them. And now I'm, I'm, it's very nice to be able to be like, this is what you are. So that's on patreon.com uh, slash Lane Moore. And oh yes, my God. I'm at hello Lane Moore on every social media. Lanemore.org has all my tour dates, everything. I'm going to include all this stuff in the show notes. Lane, again, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, why don't you go over there? Give a five-star rating. I won't be mad. I'll be super, super grateful and happy. Uh, and of course, you can look at the episode notes, not only for Lane's book, but for any of my programs and an upcoming retreat in Tulum. Let's make that, that, that new friend group uh, so excited. And of course be lovable, but more importantly, be likable. See you next week.